Hello, you're very welcome to Stronger with Sport. I'm Adam Lacey, and I'm joined today by the new host for the Stronger with Sport summer series. It's Cora Staunton, the football legend, and AFLW legend. Um, Cora, you're very welcome. You're looking forward to hosting the, the series of Stronger with Sport this summer. There's yeah. some good guests coming up. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Yeah, I'm really um, looking forward to um, hosting the Stronger with Sport um, series uh, for the summer. Uh, yeah, some very um, good guests. I'm not going to tell you who they are, no. but yeah. Um, some really interesting um, GA players that I'll be um, interviewing over the next number of weeks. And just with the, the, the themes of uh, Stronger with Sport, I suppose, I mean, one of the main things we look at is how sport has helped people basically in their lives, through their lives. So how, how has sport, do you think, has helped you throughout your life when you're younger and as you get older in your career, how has it helped you through it all? Yeah, I suppose for me, sport have obviously has been a maf massive influence on my life right throughout, you know, from when I've been... Um, Growing up from you know a seven year old is probably when I can remember you know taking up um, the football and kicking it around and being involved in teams really since then. Um, so yeah, it's helped me a lot um, you know throughout my career. Whether it's you know when I was younger and um, I lost my mom wh when I was sixteen and and you know through that period it, it was you know to have you know teammates and and coaches and you know just to be involved in in, in something to to help get over that loss. Um, and uh, yeah, just right throughout my career, it's helped in, in, in numerous things, you know, the opportunities that you get from sport, whether it's, you know, playing Gaelic football or now for me um, being in Australia playing, you know, professional sport, it's, it's been huge. And, um, you know, I, I probably know no different at this stage, as I said, I've probably been involved in sports since, since, I, uh, since I was seven years of age. So that's, that's a long time ago. But yeah, uh, you know, I owe a, a huge amount to it and, and still, um, still love being involved in it. And so what was the first sport you took up that I'm, I'm going to presume it was Gaelic football? Yeah, there was, it was, there was probably a number of different sports, but Gaelic football, yeah, was the first real one. Um, I, I came from a kind of rural area in, um, in Mayo, probably 15 minutes from Casabar, a village called Carnacon, um, and parishes Ballantower. Yeah, so I went to a, a primary school of, I think there was about 100 kids in, in the primary school at the time. And there's probably there's a lot less uh, in in it now, um, but yeah, we were lucky. We had a very um, good principal, Arthur Sullivan, who um, got us involved in sport and played everything. We were lucky. Our school was located right beside a, a community centre, so we were in there every day playing indoor soccer. We also had handball alley, um, beside us. So we used to play handball and racquetball, and then obviously we used to play Gaelic football pitch, play Gaelic football, but. We'd done everything. We'd done volleyball, badminton, um, anything, anything that we could play. We played, yeah. yeah so, um, I, I obviously played a lot of Gaelic football growing up, but I was really big into the handball. I think my first All Ireland I won um, was schools handball All Ireland. So, yeah, anything that I could try my hand at at that stage. You know, th there wasn't probably the the sports the, the, that there is now in the in the rugby's and you know mm. the different types of sports, boxing, you know, hockey, all that type of sport. It, it really, the team of sports was probably GEA. We did have a soccer club um, later form, but they were probably the only two team sports that you could play. So yeah, obviously stuck with the GA and played with a boys team for the first number of years because we didn't have a, a, a girls team. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. That's a, an issue these days, isn't it, with um, young girls when they get to a certain age, dropping out of sport. I think it's all over the country. Um, uh, how, do, how would you remedy that, or why do you think that is, and how, like, what's the approach should be taken to maybe yeah, keep girls in sport? It's it's very difficult, um, and I know it's it's happening throughout all sports. GA in, in particular has a you know huge drop off. I, I I know from being involved in coaching with our own club for a number of years, um, you know you'd see very um, you know progressive and prominent under 12, 13 year old girls coming through, and then you you, you might look at your under sixteen team in, in a year or two's time, and they're not there. 
Um, so that's you know a, a thing that I think you know all sports are, are, are heavily looking at. I, I think it's obviously for, for, for young girls it's um, um, it's a very difficult period of time. Um, a lot of them are you know going through puberty and, and, and body image and all that is probably a thing. They've o also transitioning from primary school to secondary school and um, you know different things come in the road and a lot of the time for for, for girls li like like boys too you know there's only a certain percentage of of, uh, of any population that want to play really high competitive sports uh, and sometimes i don't think we cater for for the the kids don't you know that don't really want to play competitive sports as well that they just want to play it at a more leisurely level so i think it's all of that i think it's to have for young kids now they have have plenty of options you know i think we sometimes say oh you have to play gea soccer or rugby are probably the three main sports that people are pushed into and GEA being obviously the biggest one of them all. And sometimes that's not what a child wants. It, it, it can take them to try maybe 10 or 12 different sports before they find the one that they like. And, and you know, it can be something, you know, that we didn't think. And, you know, I know my own niece and nephews, it could be dance or it could be something else. But I think it's to try a load of them, which I did when I was younger. You know, I've played a multitude of them and eventually you'll find one that you like. Um, so I think that's really important. and. As I said, also, as especially for young girls, that the cater for that maybe that, you know, and they have in, in ladies football with Gaelic for girls, that maybe it's not the always the really competitive element of it because, as I said, we're all kind of wired a little bit differently. Some people really like competitive sports and some people just like sports and see it as an avenue for, for friendships and, 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 and just as a social outlet. Yeah, there's a, I have a seven-year-old daughter who plays, and she plays like football, Gaelic football, hurling, rugby, soccer, gymnastics the whole yeah. lot but like you're saying there it's to, to guide her maybe not to pressure her at all but to see what she likes and what she takes to and what she gets out of the sports like you're saying the social side of it it is really important to her to go down and see her classmates outside of school and be able to just play a sport with them or and have fun and not be getting shouted at by the coaches like in, in, yeah in i think it's sports. really important that yeah they they, they try everything and i like i really am one for the team sports because i think it's it, it's a great way of you know building friendships and know building other skills that you probably don't get at school and stuff like that so it is for to go and and, and, and if parents can get them involved as many as, as they can and try them out and when they get to an age of you know certainly when they move from primary to secondary school you know they will drop out of certain ones and they won't like certain ones and, and you hope that they will be um, drawn to one one if not two sports or, or something that they, they, they're real passion and interest for and, and that that they'll stay involved in it and I suppose, as I said, with young girls, that's what they, they, they need to do, find them passions and, in, and, and interest and, and, and stay involved. And the biggest thing I think about young girls is that a lot of them realise maybe when they're in their, their late teens or early 20s, they, they come back and they can't understand why they dropped out of sport for them a number of years and they're dying to come back and involved in teams. And I've seen that with, with club football, um, myself at home and, and, and with other girls that come back to it. They, they might lo lose from from it, go from it for a few years, but then they suddenly realise the importance of being involved in it. And a lot of the time, it's for, for it's for social. Yeah. And you mentioned you mentioned Carnacone there, of course. So, what, like, what, what does that what does that club mean to you? I mean, and your community in Carnacone, like, for, uh, from your roots, like, how does it? Yeah, sure. I suppose it means everything. It's um, you know um, where where I started to play football. You know, at the time it's the Ballantubber boys, but you know that's in the in the parish of Carnacone. Um, you know, played with them for a number of years, and, and then the next phase was that we had a community games team, which was called Cara, um, and yeah, I went off to community games to Mosney at the time and got to an All Ireland final, lost that, and that was kind of my first kind of competitive. Oh, you know, I knew that I was competitively driven because. 
you know, wasn't happy after losing that final and can still vividly remember it and everything that went on in How that How many match. years later are we talking about? Oh yeah, this, it's <laughs> probably 30 years at this stage later, so I, I could tell you everything. But um, that's where kind of the girls team kind of formed. We had a senior girls club, we didn't have underage and yeah, kind of then from the, there on in, yeah, was involved in boys and girls back and over till I was probably about, you know, 12 or 13 and, and then yeah, just concentrated on, on the girls. But like yeah the community Carnacone we you know we've been very successful from from a football point of view but yeah like it's football is like any community the the our two club pitches are the heart of where everything happens and whether that's now at the moment going down training myself or going watching my niece and nephews play or whatever it might be you know you're there you know a couple of evenings a week um you know whether it's down doing a running session or nowadays for me it's down you know trying to uh, practice my afl kick and whatever it might yeah. be you're there majority of the, the time so it's it's yeah it's it's a like any uh, any club the, the g is at the heart of uh, you know all and of your the nephews community. and nieces are both playing now for carnicone as well uh, i have some i've, I've nephews there playing for ballantubber i've nieces actually playing for the rival clubs um which is hollymount which is yeah. Um, probably 10, t uh, 10 miles uh, away from Carnacombe, but we were, used to be massive rivals yeah. um, when I was probably 17, 18, 19, 20. So yeah, they, they're playing with them. So yeah, Let, I, let's say I go and shout for my nieces, but I don't <laughs> shout for Hollymount. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's good to, to go and watch, um, you know, um, to watch at that age. You know, I think it was a couple of couple of days ago I was watching my, you know, seven-year-old niece, um, you know, and they just love, they just love being involved in everything. I like that they're involved in every sport that they can play and, and, and keep wanting to their new crazes they want to try and join a camogie team so yeah, yeah. That, that's their next thing and yeah, camogie, there is camogie there is there? camogie yeah it, it's obviously not that very strong but there is clubs nearby so yeah. you know let them try it out for as long and, and that's down to the school they've been doing camogie yeah. in school so um, it's really important that as that's I said they're Mayo going for camogie yeah, though, they, 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 yeah they've been doing well actually I think yeah. they've, they've been in their junior competition for the first time this year so yeah, so it's it's nice for them to be involved in whatever it is. And I said, you know, there's no pressure. It's just important that they're involved in team sports and, and learn the skills they're involved with it. And do you jump in for coaching at all with the, with uh, the kids? Not in Hollymount, no. But um, no. yeah, <laughs> uh, um, underage with Karen Nicone, yeah, certainly I help out when I can. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, when I was at home and, and able to help out, yeah, I've, I've been involved in every age group there, under twins, under twelves, under fourteens in the past, and obviously helped out with our, with our senior team. But yeah, I'd certainly go over and back now for to do a few sessions when, when I have time um, to, to watch the underage coming up. And tell us maybe about your, your first foray into the, into the Mayo team when that, when that came about. When did you first start yeah, going um, into the Mayo team? And so uh, yeah, I was obviously was involved in underage with Mayo right throughout. Played under 14, 16 and minor and senior. But I suppose my career was a little bit different. I started with this Mayo senior team when I was probably 13 and a half, 13 and three quarters which obviously is a bit, bit mad now, doesn't happen nowadays. But um, So yeah, at th there was one stage I was um, playing under 14, under 16 minor and senior for Mayo. And I, and I remember um, particularly my first year, I think it was senior um, with Mayo, or maybe it was my second year, I played an under 16 All-Ireland final and lost it, and played a minor All-Ireland final and lost it, and a senior All-Ireland semi-final and lost it, all within eight days. What age were you? Uh, I was 13 and a half, probably c closer to 14 at that stage. And you were training with the senior team Yeah, as I was well. training with the senior team, yeah. So yeah, we lost under 16 All-Ireland on a, on a Saturday, and the following Saturday we lost a minor, and the following Sunday, the next day, we lost a senior. So. You know, they were probably the, the, the times back then, probably definitely doesn't happen. But yeah, I was, yeah, I played right throughout my underage career with Mayo. Um, lucky enough, won under 14 All-Ireland, didn't win anything else underage with Mayo. But yeah, we, we won numerous Connacht titles. But mm. 
back them days, I, you know, it was just, I don't even think you trained that much because you were playing so many games. You just ended up maybe having four or five games in the week. So it, it didn't really train. It didn't really come into, Mayo training probably didn't really become, you know, into when I probably got maybe to 15, 16, maybe got out of the under 16 age group because mm. I was just playing so many games along with playing schools football as well at the time with ball and rope. And then I was, you know, tipping away playing a little bit of soccer as well. So yeah, you're just involved in so much different sport that you didn't have time to be training because you were just going from match to match. And let, let tell me a little bit about the, your successes with the Mayo, Mayo senior team there for you know, like your long career with the senior senior outfit. How was all that? I mean, how did that feel when you were living through it? Yeah, yeah obviously I did a long career with Mayo. I think it was 24 seasons in the end that uh, I did with them. Um, you know, most of my success with Mayo came early days, kind of from the age of 17 to 22, 23. You know, we obviously got to All Ireland's after that as well, but you know that's the time when we won the All Ireland's. But yeah, you know, I suppose for me, you know, people say, "Geez, you had a really long career at Mayo." Every year, kind of just um, dwarfed into the next. And I suppose that was on the back of of Carnacone because we'd finish with Mayo maybe August, September, depending on how far we get, and Carnacone would roll in straight away. And, and the ladies' season is all in, in in one season. It's not like the men's or the men's club season used to be. So. You know, we'd be in a we could be in a club all Ireland final the first week of December. So and and then when that's over, you might have two or three weeks off or celebrating, and then you're back into Mayo. So I fell for most of my Mayo, Mayo career um, because I won my first county title with Carnacone. I think when I was 16, and and we 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 lost one in, in that time. For the next 20 years, we were always um, um, county championships, uh, county champions, and then we would we'd win Connacht for majority of the time as well. Mm. So yeah, just kind of every season rolled into another. So yeah, obviously great times at Mayo, um, very long career, and you know, and you know, I enjoyed it. Lucky enough to win all Ireland's, you know, and they're not easy come by. Um, so yeah, it was uh, you know a, a long career, and, and as I said, I'm what now, four years retired, which is you know feels like feels like a long time, but it isn't really. And so obviously that is on to, but what everyone always talks about you is that how, how the Mayo scene came to an end for you so what, what's your take on that now I mean four years down the line we're probably able to reflect on it yeah I suppose there's no different than it was probably four years ago um, I, I suppose I just probably look back and realize how lucky I was that I got that length of time playing with Mayo um, you know I was I think 35 at the time when I um, eventually retired and, and, and my career ended there but I always kind of look at it uh, you know from the point of view that I was lucky there's people that you know maybe don't get to play with county ever and there's people that you know don't don't get to finish out their career because of injury or what might might be. Yeah, the circumstances weren't ideal. You know, you'd like to obviously go and 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 finish your career on on a high. And, and you know, obviously the situation that happened with, with the the twelve girls and, and the, the uh, two management team leaving. You know, that that wasn't ideal in a way to finish your career. But you know, majority of us don't get to finish our careers the, the way we, we want to. We all want to finish in a high. Whether for me now it's winning a county title with Karen O'Connor or a premiership with the Giants or whatever it might be, you know, they that they rarely happen. So, I, I can just always just look fondly back on my career and you know I sp probably spend my time now is, is watching ladies football and, and, and supporting Mayo. Yeah, and then you touched earlier on on uh, other sports you played, but you, you did soccer and rugby as well. You had a bit of success in both. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your, your rugby first and maybe yeah. soccer then. Yeah, I just uh, dabbled in a little bit of rugby. I suppose it was, you know, rugby was kind of an off-season sport. Um, yeah, it was my cousin that really got me involved, um, Caroline. She was playing rugby and, you know, I said it to my to my best friend um, who was also playing with Mayo, um, um, Yvonne Byrne, and the two of us, yeah, I'm sure we said, why not, we'd what try it out. What was the rugby trade? We were playing with Castlebar Rugby Casabar. Club, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, we went off and tried it. I think it was probably, it was around um, maybe 2016, I think, I can't, yeah, sometime around that. Yeah. We, we were certainly around maybe 15, 16 or around that time. Um, but um, yeah, I, I remember our, our club coaches weren't happy at all at the time because Kearney Cun was still going, Mayo had finished and yeah, we're just training away. And I remember the first game I went out and played um, for, for Casabertra, I was playing inside centre. I'd watch rugby but wouldn't know a huge amount about it. And yeah, sure, just I was a lot quicker than a lot. So I scored seven tries on debut <laughs> and yeah, I kind of win from there. But um, yeah, it was just had two years of it, but yeah, it just was clashing. With, not that it was clashing, I was picking up a couple of knocks because of the physicality yeah, of it. Um, badly broke my nose in, 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 in actually Connacht training. I was training with Connacht. And yeah, just. So you went to your Connacht training yeah, trials yeah, then from Yeah, I was training with Connacht, badly broke my nose. Seven tries will do that, yeah, won't um, And I remember um, I was actually in Galway that day and I was meant to be dressed up. My brother was getting married a couple of weeks later. So you can imagine my nose is now my other side of my face, and I'm I'm yeah in Brown Thomas and Galway trying on a dress, um yeah didn't didn't go down too well, but yeah I had to have surgery I think two two days later to to, to fix it. But um, so how did the rugby come to an end then? Yeah, that kind of um, that was probably that was the, the end, end of it then. Um, but also the previous year I hurt my shoulder as well, and I had got a really bad um, bad uh, kick to my leg, and my whole leg was like from probably my ankle up to my knee was fully bruised and I remember going to club training one night trying to hide it um, because the club we were I think we were in maybe a, a conic final or an Ireland semi-final at this stage and I could barely walk after a, a rugby match mm. and I never used to wear like long skin so I was like I can't go to training because they're going to see my leg yeah. I normally just wear shorts and, and socks so I was like I just said I, I was working and I'll arrive late to train and by the time I'll arrive late I won't need to talk out. So yeah. these were these were the levels I was going to at this stage. So and I remember I hurt my shoulder before in All Ireland semi final for Carney Cun as well. And yeah, I think just the couple of knocks I was picking up, none of them were keeping me out of the game. Um, even when I broke my nose that time at Connacht training, I, you know, I played in a, a league semi final for Carney Cun three days later after the operation, right. which I shouldn't have, but. Um, it wasn't keeping me out, but I was picking up knocks, so I was kind of like... Something worse could have happened. Yeah, something worse yeah. could have happened. So, yeah, that's where the rugby, I think I'd done it for maybe two, two, two and a half years. Um, yeah, and soccer, okay. we just dabbled yeah. in all the time. Soccer was a thing that um, a lot of us Gaelic footballers played. Um, um, and we just, yeah, I ended up playing for two or two or two clubs. Um, yeah, and we just probably just like... What soccer clubs are around you there? Uh, Ballyglass FC, yeah. and I played for Knock Kilshma, and oh. the two clubs we played for, we just kind of set like set up a senior team in them, and right. most of us are Gaelic footballers with a few good soccer players thrown in, and we won two intermediate cups, Irish cups, one for Ballyglass and one for Knock Kilshma. And then in um, early, before that, 2006, um, Mayo League had a, a team, and we won actually won the senior cup, and we went to... Um, I think it was Austria in 2007 and represented Ireland in the in the European whatever it is club competition yeah, like yeah. The, the likes of P Mountain them do in yeah, 2007. Yeah. So I remember being over in Austria playing. We got hammered in every game we played. Three games. We only scored one goal in the whole competition the, of the three group games. And we had to fly back to play a Monaghan and All Ireland quarter final for Mayo in between being over in Austria. So yeah. You used to do mad stuff like, like yeah. So, like but yeah, we only ever played soccer. It was kind of like, um, a, kind of like a pressure release. Like we there was a Corey obviously loved it. Yeah. though, wanted to set up. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, we just we liked we liked the thought of playing. We liked the game. We had a few skillful players, yeah. and then we were just really fit athletes. So we you know we done well, but like we weren't the most skillful team. But we were 
we were strong and physical and yeah, yeah we were athletic so yeah I enjoyed it now my own uh, growing up I had played had underage trials for Ireland as well under 16 but at the time I hadn't time to be playing under 16 yeah. soccer and they wanted you to commit fully and at that stage I was like there's no chance I'm I'm playing with Mayo so and so so you've been you've been in Australia now for with Australia for five years at the Giants um how did, how did that actually come back in the about the first place? Did they make contact with you? Because yeah. it's very much in, it, in its infancy then with uh, female footballers going over to yeah. Australia. So it's yeah, a bigger I deal now, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bigger deal now. So I was the first one to come over from Ireland. There was an Irish girl playing in the league, but she had been living in Australia for, I think, 10 plus years. So I was the first one to go over in, in 2017. It came about randomly, actually. Um, in 2016, um, I was in China, in Shanghai. I was an ambassador for... Um, the GEA just going over to uh, the Asian Games, which is a big GEA Games they have um, over in, in some part of Asia every year. I, that was my maybe third year going over. I'd been in Kuala Lumpur um, and Shanghai um, for them. So I, w I went over for that week. It was always in October. And um, when I was over there, another ambassador, um, Nicholas Walsh, who um, was living in Australia at the time, working for the Giants. Yeah. Um, as a uh, defensive coach for the men's team. He was there. I had heard of Nicholas because he'd you know, being obviously having footballer had been out, tried to make it an AFL out there with Melbourne, but got injured and um, came back. So I had heard from him, but I'd never had met him or didn't know him. So normally when I went out on them trips, I was out with Michal and Marhertik and his wife and, and his um, daughter, who, who I'd know well. So I was used to hang with them, but that trip I got to know Nicholas and he was just telling me his job in the Giants. I didn't even know the Giants at the AFL men's team. I knew the Sydney Swans from Ty Kennelly and all that. Yeah. Um, and watched a bit on telly on Saturdays mornings when he used to be on. And he was like, oh, there's a women's competition starting up for the first time. So that was in October when I met Nicholas. The competition was actually starting that January. Yeah. So it's the first time AFL. And then when I came back from China, I'd heard a little bit about it. It was, you know, it was, it was in the news a little bit here. So the first season went off and um, the Giants women had a, a really bad season. Um, at the time, there was only eight clubs involved in it and the Giants came last. So they fired their head coach at the time and they got in a, a new coach to, to, to be over the women's team for the second season. Um, and Nicholas um, was very friendly with the new coach and he was also, the both were involved in the men's team. So Nicholas um, sent me a text, he was like, could I have your email address? And I was like, yeah, no problem. So I got an email <coughs> from Nicholas introducing me to the new head coach of the women's team, um, Al McCollin. So, um, that email was over and back and I was like oh hi or whatever and he was like oh Nicholas was telling me who you are would you have any interest to come over trying out AFL this was like in April May and I was this was 2017 and that was the year we got to the All-Ireland final with Mayo mm. and we had a very good uh, club room with Karen O'Conn and I'm like oh yeah no like I was I answered him replied he was like can I have your number and he rang me and we're over and back chatting and I was like Oh, maybe, yeah. Uh, and I was, I'm the type of person who just says yeah all the time and then thinks about it after. And I was like, why did I say yeah? So eventually we were over and back for, for, for most of May, June, July. And then he was like, my son lives in London. He'd like to come, I'd like to send him to, to meet you to watch a game. So then that was, oh, we were playing uh, Kildare, I think it was in a qualifier game at the time. Um, in in Ballinasloe. And I was like, oh my God, this guy's coming from England. And I didn't tell anyone I had been in, this guy had been in contact with me about coming over to Australia, bear my best friend. I was like, what do we do? We need to get this guy from Knock Airport to Ballinasloe for a match without nobody knowing. Yeah. He was staying in Castlebar for the weekend, so she's a great help, Yvonne. Um, so 
We're like, who could we get that'll be going to the match that'll bring them, but we'll tell nobody. So we got this girl that was involved, that we would be f were friendly with, that was you know a big fan of me and was involved a small bit in it. So she collected him from Knock and brought him to Banlaslow and dropped him back to Castlebar. Mm -hmm. So he watched the match and then I went to meet him the next day in Castlebar and we went for a kick in Mikhail Park, well, one of the back pitches, how nobody would see us. And just sat for a coffee and I brought him back to, to, to the airport. All in the time my family were wondering where I, where I was because it was my niece's, my godchild's birthday that day. Mm -hmm. So why aren't I at the party? So I arrived at the party, rocked up late, but just made up some excuse. So Ben Al's son went back to London and reported back to Al. And he rang me the next morning um, and said, oh, we'd like you to come over for a trial. So that was August. And I was like, well, I can't go over. We, I think we, were com we got to the All-Ireland final, which was September. And he wanted me to come out the week that three weeks between the semi-final and final. I was like, I'm not coming out. Mm -hmm. Can't miss training. And and then after the final, he rang. He's like, "Can you come out now?" And I was like, "No, we're in county quarter final, semi final, final. Then we Connacht semi final." And I was like, "The draft at that stage was, I think, the 25th of October. So I needed to be out before that, or that was it." Yeah. So I was like, "How am I going to get out?" So the Connacht semi final came, and that was meant to be on a Sunday. And I got a, so I had to tell my club coach this what was happening. So she got a change so I could fly on the Saturday to be out before the Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So eventually then I was like, had to tell a few people why I was going to Australia. Um, Just a few. Yeah. So I had to tell my, my family then. But I didn't tell Manny um, and obviously my club coach. So I flew, I was meant to fly that Saturday, that Saturday night, but I had visa issues. The club didn't do something. So I ended up being late yeah. flying. It was another day. So I didn't get out till Tuesday morning and the draft was Wednesday. So done a trial. Al picked me up from the airport and brought me straight to the Giants, did a trial with him and Nicholas, um, the guy um, that I met in China, that's from Cavan, um, and the men's head coach at the time, um, Leon Cameron. And yeah, so done about an hour of a, like, a training session and then they brought me inside and they're like, oh, we want to sign you. And I was like... Good think of that. Yeah. So I was like, oh God. And so Nicholas and me just sat in the room. I, again, I just said, yeah, yes, knowing that I was going home in a few days' time and that's far away. Um, and I was like, well, I can't, you know, I'm not coming over till Karen Cohn is knocked out because I, you know, I have to play with them. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's fine. And, you know, we didn't know how far Karen Cohn got. I was in a Connacht final the week after I come home and that ended up being a, a draw. Um, and then we had to replay the following week and we won and then we ended up getting to the All-Ireland. So pre-season was started in November and the All-Ireland final was until the 5th yeah. of December or the 3rd of December. So... We won the All-Ireland and then I had to fly out to Australia on the Tuesday after the All-Ireland. And even at that stage on the Sunday night, I was like, oh my God, I don't think I'll go. I wonder will they leave me a few more days. And eventually I got on the flight and got to Australia on a Thursday and trained. And yeah, still it. there since, yeah. Jeez, the rest was history. The rest is <laughs> history, yeah. So and how, so did you, like, how did you find that initially anyway, the transition from amateur? I mean, you obviously play in all kinds of sports for years. But to go p professional then, to make yeah, that switch, I did. Did it was a big change. It wasn't probably the going professional. It was like, oh it's my god, the sport, I suppose. yeah, the sport, being in a, the other side of the world, mm. not knowing anyone, um, everyone kind of looking at you, going, "Where's this one ca come from?" And I, I can laugh now because I know, but like at the time, they they, they had me googled to the last yeah. to find out who I was yeah. to tell me that now. Um, like going into just a dressing room, and not knowing anyone, and like being at the bottom of the tree. And I'm the type of person that um, I'm socially like quite quiet um, outside of my own fr um, friend group. So like I'm not one to be, you know, making chat with a lot of people I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So um, 
I'm yeah, sitting tough. there and I'm like, this is difficult. I remember um, one of the girls in the team that was living close to where I, my brother was at the time because I lived with my brother for the first time I went over there. She brought me to training and then like just left me in our change room and I didn't know anyone. So the first while I didn't like it at all. I was like, this is difficult. And again, you can laugh now, but they used to slag me from my accent because they couldn't understand a lot of the time what I was saying. Because okay. I used to speak really fast. Yeah. And they'd tell me like, we can't understand. Or they'd be standing there and you know they're not, I thought at the time they weren't listening to me, but they actually couldn't they're understand me. They're smiling yeah. <laughs> yeah. So eventually they'd tell you, and even now they'd tell me if I, if me and we'd say Breed are talking, yeah. or Breed's husband, and we talk very fast. They were like, we haven't a clue what you're saying. Yeah. So that even that kind of like barrier was another. I was like, oh God, this is tough. Yeah. So I think it was came Christmas time. Came obviously Christmas time away from home was hard, and then after Christmas I kind of settled in, and we had um, um, a couple of challenge matches or practice matches as they called them, and then I just kind of felt like, okay, God, I can play this game. You know, I've yeah. done well that, in the that first. You realize yeah, because I done well in the first practice match. Yeah. You kick two goals and kicking two goals over there is kind of like kicking ten here. Right. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like big, and they all, yeah, I think they started to warm to me. Then they, they, I think it's just like you build respect. They seen yeah. that you train hard, that you just put your head down, you don't say much, well. and you're able to play. Yeah. And yeah, that kind of first practice match was like, oh, this one can play. Yeah. So yeah, from then on in, I was, yeah, obviously there was times where it was challenging, you'd have bad games or poor performances, but majority of the time I felt comfortable and I had a super relationship with our coach as well. Like he was, he was like a real father figure to me and you know, we had tough conversations, but he was like, he'd done a lot of extra coaching, extra sessions with me. You know, when we weren't training, I was still doing a lot of extra work to try and catch yeah. up, so. And I still even do that now, even though I'm five years in, because I feel it's not a sport that I, I have practiced enough that I still need to be doing extras all, yeah. all the time. And how did you feel then when the, kind of the other uh, ladies footballers started arriving over and into Australia and it, was, it kind of took off as a, as a thing in the last, especially in the last couple of yeah, years? Yeah, I, I, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, from my, like, I think seeing anyone coming out and, and, and uh, um, obviously for a lot of them, it's, it's, it wasn't a dream to play AFL. None of our dream was to play AFL, but it was a dream to play some sort of professional, professional sport. sport. So, yeah. yeah, to see girls achieving that, um, you know, and I suppose that, you know, people are often say to me, um, you know, um, you're the one that, you know, s started it all for us. You know, I've talked to a few of the girls, Ash Mack and Orla O'Dwyer, and a couple of girls like that, that the opportunity wouldn't have come around on, only for, you know, you kind of were the one that, you know, set the scene and, you know, I don't take all the credit for that. You know, you have to give credit to the, the Giants and, and particularly Al for doing that because he was the one that took the gamble of bringing me over. You know, yeah. the, it obviously worked then, but, you know, you have to give them huge credit. And, yeah, you know, there's been an influx of Irish for the, for the last, um, you know, it started off with me being one. The second year was five, then it, it, it went up to 18 and it's been at 14 the last two years. But that's because of COVID and people couldn't get out. I I'd imagine we're going to be, we're going to hit the twenty five plus I'd say for for season the season um, to come so um, you know that's and that's only going to grow yeah. um, you know obviously there's been um, a new pay agreement that's came out in the last week which is probably going to entice uh, more and more girls. So it's now going to be what ninety four percent increase on yeah. what was previously a, a different tiers ninety four percent increase in every tier. Yeah. For the and that's you know that's not. That's never going to go down. The you know it's never going to reduce. Yeah. It's only going to increase. Um, so, so do you think that's going to hurt uh, ladies football in Ireland? Yeah. Over, over the next probably three or four years. You'd imagine so because before that going um, for a lot of girls they were going over. You know I, I was probably in a different situation, but 
uh, you are making a living over there um, from your wage, um, but now you're, you're actually making making a good wage. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's probably at the moment that's only for probably seven months. You're playing for probably like training and playing for seven months here. That'll extend every year. But yeah, you know, if you're th there's other ways of 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 payment schemes with uh, additional service agreements that you can get top up on on them tiers as well. So girls are earning a lot of money, and if you're uh, in your early 20s or late teens or you know there's huge opportunity to to go the other side of the world play professional sporting and get well and get well paid so i think you can see that already with girls that are going now um you know names that have already committed that they're going the likes of the erica o'shea's you know you've you've hear, hear different names Anya mcdonough from um galway you know vicky wall has been talked for her going so there's uh, there's loads of other and i've heard obviously other ones in, in the pipeline there's a girl that's over there joanne doonan She's um, had been out there for the last number of months. She had been there previous. She's she's got, got picked up by Essendon. So, yeah, the number is going to grow and grow. And if you were a young Irish um, a Gaelic footballer now, a woman that's you know 19, 20, 21, or maybe coming out of university, and you want to travel anyways, and now the yeah. opportunity is travel and play professional sports at the same time. It's ideal and. The market over in Australia isn't strong enough yet with the expansion. So there's four new teams come in. So that's 120 more players. They just don't have enough underage talent and probably won't for the next number of years to fill them spots. So yeah. the Irish are ready-made. There's not no other sport. The Irish GA players, it, not that it's ready-made, it's probably the wrong word, but it's, it's the closest bit yeah. um, to get there to be ready-made. And, and, and majority, not all, we can't say all, Probably 75-80% of the Irish that went over have been in, in somewhat a success. So other teams now have looked at that and seen, okay, the Giants had me, and then they had Yvonne Bonner, and then we've we seen from the other clubs, Orlo Dwyer, what she's achieved there. Um, so clubs have seen that. So even the expansion clubs now, Hawthorne, um, seen this morning, Aileen Gilroy, who was with North Melbourne now, has moved to Hawthorne. Um, as I said, Owen McDonough, who used to play for Galway and was a basketballer, has moved there. Essendon, have, who's in an expansion club, have picked up an Irish girl. Um, so, yeah, there's, 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 there's one from clubs to, to pick up more and more Irish girls. So you will see over the next kind of two weeks all of that will happen. Um, a lot of these announcements will, will be made. So, Is there anything the LGFA can do about that? I mean... There's very little when they're being offered big contracts to play professional sport. No, there's probably very little. But I, I, yeah, I, I still think there's there's something you can do. We we we're still at a stage, and you know I, I've spoken up about this on social media or in different platforms. And we're still at a stage where ladies Gaelic footballers aren't getting expenses for for yeah. playing ladies Gaelic football. You know, while there's there was this thing that the, or the GPA or there's equal. You know. The, the emer they merge together and everyone will be getting expenses. And the men are getting the work for, yeah. for more expenses, the women are getting nothing. Yeah, getting nothing. Yeah. There was a period over COVID where girls were getting money to travel because there was no buses. Right. But that was just for the COVID period. Now we're in, in 2022 and the COVID isn't an issue. So for this season, girls aren't getting expenses. So if you're an intercounty footballer, and I know a, a clubmate of mine, Fiona McHale, brought this up on, on, on social media maybe last week or the week before, she 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 lives in um, in Tipperary at the moment. So she's driving from Tipperary to Mayo three times a week to train, and then you know to to play matches, and, and it could be four times some weeks. So the cost of that alone as a, an intercounty footballer, I think she put up if if she was travelling one week or whatever it might be, what she'd get if she was a male intercounty footballer was four hundred and something you know euro. So 
you're losing money being a ladies Gaelic footballer. I never played um, Gaelic ladies Gaelic football for money, you know, but you're actually losing money. And I think you need to just be looked after in that sense. And we're still at it. We're still at a situation where la this weekend Cork ladies footballers played Kerry in a Munster final, and their Camogie players played Cork or played Clare, sorry, in a and I think it was a round robin game in the Camogie. And I think there's three to four girls on both the Cork ladies footballers and Camogie team, and the match is on the same day. One is at I think half twelve, and the other is at five. Right. So you're ex there's no respect for the yeah. dual player there. So it's it's little things like that. Yeah. It's training facilities where we're training. Things have got better. It's certainly got better since I've retired four years ago. But they're only getting incrementally better, smaller each year. And we're still talking about it. Like I talk, I've talked about expenses ten years ago. Yeah. And nothing has changed. Nothing changed at all. When it's topical, it's talked about, and then it, when the topic goes away, it's it's finished with. So. If ladies get a, if they want to entice young girls to stay around and play for for their counties, which you know is, is a huge honour, I'm I'm delighted. I never had to make the decision whether I'd decide to play for Mayo or go professionally. I I glad I'm not in any of the girls situations, whether it's you know Vicky Wall, Sarah Rowe, whoever it might be, uh, that I'd never be in that situation because I'd have found it a huge decision to make. But I think ladies LGFA need to look at ways of looking after their players better. It's never going to be a professional sport, we're not asking that, but you, you certainly want the same, um, to be on the same par as the, as the men's. You want the same thing that they're getting, equality. Yeah. You know, they train as hard, they put in as much effort, um, so they need to be looked after as well. And uh, that's only through tr uh, travel expenses, how they're looked after from, you know, medical point of view and, and, and expenses, and also then, you know, training facilities and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, you get you get bored of talking about it. As I said, I'm talking about this ten years ago, and things haven't changed. So I think th if they want to entice girls to stay and not and not leave and go to to Australia, I think that's one way they can they can certainly get better. Yeah, and, and like you're, how are you feeling about um, the future now? I mean, going back to Australia again, you haven't made any decisions yet, but. How's the body feeling? How's the head about coming yeah. back for another another year? Yeah, it's um, plans. No, I, I suppose I need to make a decision. I'll be I'll be pressed to make a decision. I think I have to have made one in the in the kind of the next two weeks. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's strange because when you're over there in Australia, you become very immersed in it, and I don't like to make a decision over there because it's you're so immersed in that you know in Australia and the culture and everything, mm. and then you come back here and life is very different. It goes from probably very a relaxed pace of life to to very hectic over here, and then you get back in. I'm I'm, I'm back playing club football, so. You know, even that decision of whether do I go back on my physically and mentally, I, I feel both I'm, I'm, I'm able for, but it's the draw that if I do go, I, you know, I'm leaving club football behind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's putting the bo your body through rigours of, you know, you know, more intense sports. So, yeah, I, I, I actually find it very hard to make a decision. I'm, I'm not one of the best times to make a decision about anything. Um, so, yeah, I'd, you know, I'm going to have to make it, you know, there's going to be pressure put on me now, probably in the next couple of couple of days or in the next week to make decisions so yeah I just probably need to sit down and, and um, you know decide you know maybe write out pros and cons of going it is difficult because the season is so near to the last basically we'll be playing two seasons in one because we'd have played the earlier parts of the season and we're going to be playing the end of the season so um, from a physical point of view that's a bit harder but it's also easier because um, you know you've you've um, it's it's a shorter window of you know you're just going back for for a shorter season in in, in the regard you won't have as, as long as the pre-season so yeah I'll make a decision in, in the next kind of week to ten days and some of the girls that over the last couple of years that have gone out to Australia have been able to come back and play 
play inter-county football, which balanced perfectly with it, but now that's completely changed. So there's, bi there's bigger decisions to be made about their future, isn't there, at a much yeah. younger age? So, yeah, I think this is the, probably the last year that you'll see, um, you know, uh, girls that'll be playing both. So I think if you look at the Dublin team, uh, Sinead Goldrick and Laura McGee played with Dublin um, on Saturday evening, um, and they'll continue to play with Dublin. Vicky Wall will continue to play with Mead, mm. and they will go out, um, obviously, a little bit later when their championship finishes and probably miss some precincts, but they decided to stay at home and, and, and play um, with Dublin and Meath um, respectfully. Rachel Kearns in, is um, involved with Mayo, she's with Geelong, she'll obviously go back out later when Mayo exit the championship, but I suppose the likes of um, the likes of Ailish Considine um, you know, has decided not to play with Clare, hasn't in the last number of years. Orlo Dwyer didn't come back this year to play with Tipperary. Now she's carrying, she had her, um, a shoulder operation, she shouldn't have been able to play. And then the likes of Sarah Rowe and Neve and Grace Kelly have decided to opt out of Mayo just to concentrate on AFLW. Um, so yeah, you have different girls making different decisions. Probably the likes of the girls that decided to play county and the likes of Goldie and, and Laura McGee and as I said, Rachel Kearns. Um, that probably decision will be taken out of their hands probably next year because the season will go back two or three weeks every year so pre-season will now probably start the, um, in the main um, next year so that will certainly, they won't have the option of yeah, playing too. Yeah, it'll be taken away. Yeah. And then, I mean, just to finish on it, but after your playing days, whenever that, at this stage, it seems like you'll probably play forever, but when you're finished, like, do you have, we were talking earlier on a little bit, do you have aspirations to coach either in Australia or come back to club? Yeah, I, I, level, do you yeah I, I probably do. Um, yeah, I like, I'll be involved in some way, um, mm. you know, whether it's coaching, some side management, yeah, I, I'll probably certainly be involved in some way. Um, you know, obviously I'm doing uh, work in, in the media I as well at the moment, so I really enjoy that. I think um, that's helped me um, certainly um, when I retired from Intercounty to be involved and still in, in, in that, I, I really enjoy that. I, I suppose I'd be lucky enough because I haven't had the, and people say when they retire from inter-county, you know, it's really tough. I didn't really have that because I had now a new sport that was taking up all my, my time. I think it's when I finished um, playing AFL, um, W, but also when I finished playing club football, that will be really the, the, the time that I'll, I'll probably concentrate and look that I'll maybe either stay down the media role or the coaching role. But yeah, I, 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 I probably have to be involved in some way down the line. If, is that after maybe a little bit of a break away from it all? Who knows? But yeah, I you know I've been involved in coaching in our club years ago. I was involved in, in Mayo minor teams um, uh, for Mayo. I've been involved in, in uh, schools coaching. You know I've been colleges coaching. So I've been involved in a lot. So yeah, it'll be something that, that I'll do down the line. Whether yeah, that's here now in Ireland and Australia. Who knows? And you could coach in yeah, like yeah, Australia yeah, as well. Yeah, it? yeah, of course it is. Um, you know, it's 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 a different game, and I'm still learning all the time. But yeah, it's it's a game that I you know I probably know well enough now. And you know, it's like any it's like any sport. You don't need to know the sport inside out. It's it's coaching is coaching. Whether you're a soccer coach or you're a Gaelic coach or in AFL. Um, yeah, so you know, I've, I've done um, nuggets of different things over there um, that you know, from a, a coaching point of view, and, and, and you know, obviously, I'm involved in leadership over there as well. So, yeah, you keep yourself busy when you're over there involved. And you know, I've, I've got to see a very high performance set up from the men's side as well. That you know, when you have time over there, you go, you know, you go in and sit, sit in and watch them train and, and see what they do on a daily basis, which is which is a real eye opener. Yeah, okay, look, Carl, it's been great to chat to you. I um, look forward to hearing from you over the summer with the Strongwood Sport Summer Series. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. All right.